Welcome to What's Up, Wellness from the Third Floor. This podcast is provided by the Wellness and Health Action Team, also known as WET, from Portland State University's Center for Student Health and Counseling, or SHAC. We're located in the Health Promotion Suite on the third floor of the University Center building on campus. Our purpose with this podcast is to discuss a variety of health-related topics in a way that will be accessible for a non-traditional campus. My name is Bella, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. My name is Josh, and my pronouns are they, them, theirs. And my name is Quinn. My pronouns are he, him, his. We're all members of the Wellness and Health Action Team, and we'll be your hosts for this podcast. Let's get into it. Welcome again to another edition of the What's Up podcast. I'm joined today with our other host, um, Bella, as well as a special guest, Amy Ruff, with us. Um, Just to kind of set the tone for this episode, um, we want to hold space and acknowledge that this is um, going to be a heavier topic. Um, So please like take care of yourself and do what you need to do throughout this episode um, to self-care. We want to kind of set an intention for this episode and like just hold space that we want this episode to be a mental health resource um, to help folks during the summer. And we understand that mental health challenges can look different during the summer months than they might throughout the rest of the year. And we also wanna hold space and acknowledge, um, we're recording this at the end of May, 2020. um, And currently the COVID-19 pandemic is going on along with um, a lot, uh, with the racism pandemic that is occurring in America right now. Um, So there's a lot lot of things that are going on and um, things that might change throughout the summer. Um, So just take that um, into consideration when listening to this episode around kind of like the historical time period we're at which is weird to think that we're in a historical time period, (laughs) but we are. Um, So again, I just want to thank our guest, Amy Ruff, for joining us. Do you want to take a second to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Amy. Uh, I share they pronouns. I am the mental health promotions uh, specialist at SHAC on the health promotion team, and I'm also a licensed clinical social worker where I support uh, queer and trans folks uh, receive health care. Amy, we are so happy to have you here um, and your contribution to this episode and um, just mental health promotion and advocacy for PSC students in general um, is so important and we're so grateful to have you. Um, So I think we want to start this this conversation about mental health with kind of a, a broader lens and talking about how the systems that we are all a part of, whether or not we, you know, would like to be, um, affect our mental health and affect our well-being as individuals and community members. Um, so let's, let's talk about that. How, how do systems, the greater systems of our society, affect our mental health? Yeah, I mean, I think they impact our mental health in really profound ways that we often take for granted or that we don't even realize. And sometimes when we don't have that perspective or we're unable to see how systems affect us, we end up internalizing our failures or internalizing the messages that we receive from those systems. So it's really helpful, I think, to take that perspective and kind of pull the veil off of the systems that we're all living within. Um, And I think in many cases, uh, systems can make us feel unworthy and isolated. Uh, Systems by their nature are designed to be efficient, often to maximize profit, uh, or they inherently support existing power structures or they exist to perpetuate themselves. Um, And we know that being human involves growth and struggle. Like our growth is non-linear. It's not an efficient process. Being human is messy. Uh, Emotions and feelings are really messy. So I think when we apply the logic and reason of systems to our human experience, that can be profoundly 
invalidating and harmful. Um, you know, I think it's also really important to note that most systems and power structures were created by white cis straight men with mm -hmm. their needs and interests in mind. So if your needs are different than that population, or if your identity and experience isn't recognized as valuable to that population, those systems aren't designed to serve you and often can be harmful to you. Um, you know, the flip of that though, is that, uh, you know, if the systems do serve you, if maybe you're part of that population, uh, they reflect your needs and allow you to succeed in navigating them. It allows you to be validated and, and have a sense of pride and, and feel inherently that things are gonna be okay. And they support your mental health, that absolutely supports your mental health. And that's a form of privilege that we don't often talk about. Um, I think currently end of May, 2020, um, what we're seeing with our criminal justice system and the response of communities around that um, really illustrates this concept. Um, as we look at police brutality that has taken place in Louisville and in Minneapolis uh, that led to the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, both of which were extremely preventable deaths at the hands of police officers. Um, so that took place. And then there was a decision by the district attorney in Minneapolis, you know, immediately after not to charge the officer who killed George Floyd. And so right there, that system says, you're not valued, you are not worthy. We're, this system is not gonna uphold your personhood and your humanity. Um, and we know that that's not exclusive to just this example in Minneapolis, that's a pattern of behavior um, on the part of police officers and district attorneys and the entire criminal justice system that tells the same message to people of color. Um, so I think that's really important to note, like that system is inherently invalidating to a lot of people and, and actively harmful to a lot of people, which is trauma, it's an ongoing trauma that folks experience. Um, and so I think when we look at like the rebellions and the protests that have taken place thereafter, um, that's a reflection of rage and anger and love on the part of those communities. Um, and that's all components of mental health. That's how we try to process our mental health when we're experiencing injustice, um, pushing back against those systems is a natural thing and an important thing for our mental health. Um, you know, I think it's, yeah, it takes a toll. It takes a toll on how we do. Um, I think it's also important to note that I think like activism and standing up and pushing back against system is a really valid way for folks to deal with institutional oppression and push back on those systems that have caused them harm uh, and take back and reclaim their personhood. Um, but also activism without healing leaves you vulnerable to like replicating oppression. You know, action is like one really important piece of healing, um, but it doesn't ensure it. It's just a piece. So I think it's good to validate and to, and to take action when we can against systems, but recognize that that alone is not what's going to serve us. We're going to have to figure that out individually. Yeah, I think that this is incredibly well said and kind of like leaning into that, that last bit, like, well, while we're still like looking at this with the context of these systems that we have in place, how, how do we go about validating our feelings and experiences, especially during this time with all of the things going on? Yeah, I think, um, you know, being kind to yourself, not judging how well you're doing with regards to coping with anything. Uh, allow yourself to feel your feels, as they say. <laughs> um, you know, I think past trauma comes up, you know, and especially in these times when we can feel isolated or our mental health is challenged because we're not in community as much or because we're, we're witnessing brutality across our nation that hurts us, that harms our soul. 
Um, but remembering that like the, the work you've done to heal yourself and to get to this place is not undone because you're experiencing trauma again. You know, our, again, like our growth is nonlinear. Um, and I think, you know, there's strength in feeling, there's strength in empathizing deeply uh, and there's strength in hurt. So vulnerability is required for growth. So recognizing that as we struggle, that can lead to something different for us and for others. Um, you know, I often, I think too, I wanted to call out folks that are in recovery because I think this is a really hard time for folks that are in recovery because so much of recovery um, is predicated on community and accountability and seeing folks that can support you. Uh, and so I just wanna make, make it clear that relapse is a form of recovery. And it doesn't mean that the progress that you've made has been erased. Um, and all the things that you learned about yourself, yourself when you were in maintenance doesn't mean that it's gone away. This is really just like another opportunity to grow uh, and to strengthen different coping skills and potentially build new systems of support. So. That is um, so important to note, uh, Amy, especially because isolation is such a big part of um, this experience and that people are, are losing that aspect of community, um, especially that, you know, in-person community and being able to like look someone in the eyes and know that they understand you and, and are there for you. And it's, um, you know, virtually we can, we can try to offer that support, but you know, it's, it's not always going to be the same. So it's important to acknowledge that. Um, and I want to ask you a little bit about self-care um, and how that looks different in the context of different mental health challenges. And I know our, our people in our audience might be dealing with different levels of this um, and might be hearing this with lots of different, um, you know, ears and experiences. Um, and even on different days, having like different levels of mental health challenges. But um, how, how can people understand how self-care looks different in different contexts and how to really take care of yourself um, when your capabilities are limited and even if like um, you know getting out of bed is a challenge for yourself like how how can self-care um, look different in that way? Self-care might be radical acceptance in that regard <laughs> radical acceptance that you're just going through just going through it and you feel awful and maybe you're dealing with more depression and so again, going back to that validating yourself, you got up, you took a shower, you made yourself uh, a meal, you know, really leaning into the simple things that I think we often take for granted. Yeah. Um, and so that's a big one. I think for folks that are really struggling around um, what we're seeing with police brutality in this country and the racism that is just running rampant, I mean, it always has been, but it's just presenting itself in, in, in the same ways as always, you know, it's that ongoing trauma. Um, I think that's where I would offer Audre Lorde, who's a black feminist, um, who spoke really passionately about self-care. And she said that caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. So for folks that are um, experiencing oppression, that you are valid and you're necessary and you're needed in this world. And so taking the best care, treating yourself with the utmost love <laughs> is so important to your preservation and to our ability to continue to transform the systems uh, that are oppressing other people. Um, so yeah, so in self-care, again, it's, it's really individualized. So it's just taking the best care uh, of yourself as possible. I think 
with regards to the fact that we're we're decreasing our movement or that's the intention right is that we're staying closer to home and that we're not exposing ourselves we're not traveling on public transportation as much i do want to add a shout out to to movement to import it's important that we attend to our bodies um, so that we feed them to the best of our ability um, we know that trauma is embodied it lives in us and so it can stagnate in our systems. And that doesn't mean we have to like become exercise enthusiasts or do the craftiest online yoga programs. Um, but it does mean we should think about how we move our bodies. Um, we do not like sweating is one of the quickest ways to move trauma and detoxify our felt sense of depression or anxiety. So like going outside on a walk on a hot day, cooking something in your, your kitchen, making love, whatever gets you sweaty is good for your mental health. And so I think especially now as we decrease our movement and our footprint, keep moving in whatever ways feel good to you. Yeah, absolutely. That's so important to note. And that's a tool that I've absolutely been using. Um, you know, if, if my anxiety like, is getting really bad, I know that I need to go on a walk. And that's kind of my like mental trigger for myself to to reset and to clear my mind and to think things through and to to get in touch with reality in a sense of being able to go outside um, because you're not just stuck in your internal reality when you're stuck inside. Um, and I think uh, being able to create rituals that you know are really helpful for you that you can fall back on when you're going through something or um, you know that your stress is, is heightening or depression or anxiety or, or whatever it is, um, is reached levels that are um, making it hard for you to, you know, enjoy your day or get, get, you know, whatever done you need to get done or be able to live and heal um, and think properly then um, having those, those rituals to fall back on can be really important. Maybe it's like that one person that you call that you know is always like um, a really helpful conversation for you or even like that one cupcake at the store, like whatever it is, um, being able to just reset and check in with yourself is absolutely a form of self-care. Um, and even if it's like not something that makes you feel great and like fixes your problem, at least be able to like feel okay and and know that things will get better um things will progress you'll you'll live another day yeah i appreciate um, that that like things might not get better you're doing it not because things are gonna get better it's because you're gonna survive yeah <laughs> by taking care of yourself and so those rituals can be really helpful like i'm going to make this meal even if it's not bringing me joy right now i'm going to do it because i know that it's important and i know that i deserve it it doesn't feel good but i'm going to do it anyway yeah um and hopefully it it's because you know that you deserve it and um, it's for your future self. Even if you're, you don't care about your present self, hopefully you have some level of investment in your future well-being. Um, so there's something to prioritize. Yeah. I think one thing I often hear um, from folks that are struggling, you know, with their mental health or depression or feelings of self-worth is that they still are willing and able and capable of giving so much to their friends and to their loved ones. Absolutely. And they would never treat their friends and loved ones the same way that they're treating themselves or the same way that they're thinking about themselves. Uh, and so sometimes that can be a helpful reframe is just to ask yourself, like, would I allow, would I talk to my friend like this, the way that I'm talking to myself? And, and what would I advise my friend or a loved family member to do in this scenario? And maybe I should take my own advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
you know, and kind of remove yourself from the situation because we, a lot of times are able to offer so much more to other people than we are to ourselves. And so really hold yourself to the same standard of caring for yourself as you would for other people. Absolutely. And sometimes if it's, you know, a situation where you're not even able to do that reframing, treating yourself as if you would treat a child even of like, okay, you have to drink water to live. You have to eat to live. You have to go to sleep. Um, and just being really gentle with yourself in that sense of like, you would never berate a child for like doing something wrong or not perfectly. Um, so just having that level of, of comfort can just be the minimum sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that goes also to the heart of like, don't judge yourself stop judging yeah. yourself and how you're quarantining or how you're dealing with all of this am I doing enough um you know you don't throw that out the window there are no standards <laughs> it's a whole new world every day and so we get to recreate them every single day yeah and I and I think acknowledging too that like the that hard the hard times that we're going through right now are an opportunity for growth I kind of playing into what Bella said like that being gentle with yourself and like, like you, you are, you, you are nurturing yourself through this. Um, and like a, like a plant or a child, sometimes you have to be like really, really gentle and uplifting. Um, but by, by doing that, you're giving yourself that ability to like, to like grow. So it might be, it might be difficult. Like, oh, I'm a grown adult. Why do I have to talk to myself like a kid? Like, <laughs> like lean into that. I, I think it can be such a powerful thing to like help grow yourself. Yeah, and I love that it's about um, it's about growth. It really is about like nurturing that the soul and the healing that can happen instead of like, oh, I have to take care of myself because I have to do these things and I have to produce and be part of this capitalistic society <laughs> like um, and contribute to the greater whatever. Um, but instead, just like really focusing on on your inner healing and and producing, you know, health. I think another thing to note too, when we're talking about self-care, there's folks right now that are, I think are doing fine and that are thriving either because they have a modicum of privilege that allows them to be home and they're not stressed about finances. And that's very lucky for some folks. And also I know there's introverts out there that are just really appreciating the opportunity to not have their mental space clouded by social interactions. <laughs> I've seen it very, very personally and it's amazing. And so there are some folks that are thriving in this environment. And I think it's good to call it like one, that's okay. It's okay to be in a good place. You don't need to beat yourself up about that or apologize for it or feel guilty. Um, but what can you do with that? I think is a great question. Um, and how can you use your security and potentially, you know, your sense of your felt sense of safety to support other people that are not in that same position. Um, and that's not, and I think that that's a form of self-care as well. We know that we get a tremendous amount of like endorphins and all the good things in our brain, all the good chemicals come when we are able to be generous to other people and kind uh, and engage socially and give back. And so I think there are some folks that might actually be in that place where they're like, I'm not just surviving, I'm thriving. So what do I do with this instead of like becoming a marathon runner or baking every piece of sourdough bread or whatever it is, like how can we transform that into something where we're thinking more globally or even just more community minded? Um, yeah, what could that look like and what might you be able to do with that? And I think that giving also is gonna come right back to you. It's gonna benefit you as well. Yeah, because community is such a, a, a healing environment to be in. Um, 
how I, I love that that question of like like how how do we like collectively like as a community both like globally and then within our like you know smaller communities how like how what does it look like to take care of each other during this time yeah i mean i think at the most basic simple level it means reaching out to people to connecting to really considering who is in your social sphere like start real close to home who do I know that might be living alone or might be experiencing isolation or that might be in a relationship that you don't think might be the healthiest? How do we make it a practice to reach out to those folks to actually ask what their needs are and to just keep them connected um, and not be afraid to, to tell them it's okay. If you're struggling, I still want to hear about it. So I think that's a huge one uh, to combat kind of the isolation that a lot of folks are feeling. I think on a larger kind of community perspective, there's all kinds of ways that we can engage to give back right now. All nonprofits are still up and running. Um, so they need volunteers, they need support. Uh, and there's mutual aid organizations all around Portland that are working to connect people with the resources that they need as folks experience more financial difficulty. Um, and I think the beauty of mutual aid organizations as opposed to nonprofits or other systems uh, is that they operate from the framework that we all have something to give, but we all need things from each other. And so that it's not a charity model. It's not that we're giving to people because we have all the privilege. It's we need to engage with each other to collectively hold ourselves up. <laughs> that, that idea of interdependence, um, that only through doing work together are we going to move forward. Um, and I think, you know, that also applies to when we consider employment and the rates of unemployment are really high and job security is a really hard thing right now. Um, and I think this is a really compelling time for us to really consider the lessons from the labor movement uh, and to consider what does it mean to organize in our places of employment um, and give time and effort to that because there's going to be economic uncertainty for years to come. Um, but we do know historically, you know, we consolidate our collective labor efforts. Uh, we all benefit you know, thank you labor movement for five day work weeks. Thank you labor movement for 40 hour work weeks. <laughs> These are privileges that I think we've slowly like eroded in the last few years or even decades. Um, let's return to those. I, that's my, my idea or my thought around it is, you know, how does that apply and how can we make that more applicable to um, more places of employment? Yeah, I think I, I, I love that. I, like reflecting on like the whole the whole idea like that this is like an opportunity like for growth I think like both personal growth and then like you've brought up like community growth as well it's kind of uh this has really lifted the veil of all the like the the ugly spots that we currently have in our society that we we need to to face and it's painful and it's hard and ugly to do that um but it's an opportunity for growth and I think that that's a, a really good thing to highlight yeah, and I think we've also not only seen like the ugly raw parts of our society exposed, we've also seen some really beautiful things and really beautiful solidarity and resilience um, within community. And I think Amy, you were talking about um, being able to like reach out and I, part of that community building, like we've been able to do this with our, within our what team is creating like space to be able to share how you're actually doing and be able to communicate like when am I ready to share that and when do I need to just not talk about the pandemic for like an hour um, and just really having that like good communication and and availability um, of knowing that there are people that are 
holding that support for you and um, being able to provide that when you want it and how you want it. Yeah, I appreciate that, especially with in the WET team, saying you brought that into your work environment. I, I've talked with a couple other programs on campus where they said they are kind of genuinely checking in with themselves or with each other, excuse me, more so than they have historically, where they're giving more honest answers to how am I doing today? Yeah. <laughs> and that's a really huge thing for our mental health that we can actually address it and talk about it publicly and it's not a taboo subject uh, and it's okay to struggle and we can share that with other people. I think that's huge. Absolutely. Um, well, this is, this is what we have for this episode, but um, we will always talk about mental health. Mental health is part of everything that we do. Um, so I'm sure we'll be seeing you again soon, but thank you so much, Amy, for being part of this. Absolutely. Thank you both. It was great to see you. <laughs> and just as a reminder, we will always have our resources in the description of this episode. Um, and to close out, I'll be reading um, an offering from Queer Nature. I am whole like the ground beneath me. I am resilient like my ancestors before me. I am expansive like the celestial ones above me. I am caring like the watershed who nourishes me. I am dignified like the inner fire within me. I am thriving for the future ones after me. No system can fuck with me. I am a breathing ecosystem of co-liberation. We are wellsprings of interdependence. Thank you so much to Queer Nature for that offering. Um, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. See you soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of What's Up. We'll catch you next week on our next episode, which moving forward will be posted every Wednesday. For spring term, we've moved our huts to Instagram Live. You can find us at PSU underscore what, and you can find us there once a week for our virtual huts. OPSU has gone fully remote until the end of summer term 2020. We wanted to let you know that Shaq is still here for you. We're fully committed to the physical and emotional health as well as wellness of our PSU students. Both our health services and counseling services departments can be used by scheduling a telehealth appointment by calling the phone number 503-725-2800. If you're looking for more casual information, check out our online health magazine at pdx.campuswell.com and our brand new virtual mind spa experience. There'll be website links for all that good stuff in the episode description below. If you have any questions around health or well-being information during this time, we also have a Google form that you can complete for us to be able to answer your questions on our Instagram or webpage. Links for that in the description as well. Thanks for listening and take care.